Welcome to Gen Z Speaks, an international youth podcast brought to you by Gen Z Education. My name is Arden. And my name is Anisha. And we're your hosts. Gen Z Education is a youth-led nonprofit organization that is reinventing education. We provide interactive educational content that takes a new look at traditional approaches to education, involving everything from academics and storytelling to current events. Every episode, we provide you with content relevant to the youth, from interviewing experienced professionals and college admissions experts to discussing current events. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the United States election, its outcome, and what it'll mean for the world. Taking over will be Kai, our global political analyst. Kai will be explaining some of the basics of the election process and what areas the outcome will impact and facilitating a discussion about the effects. Although Gen Z education itself remains unbiased and nonpartisan in all of the information we provide, our discussion guests share their own personal opinions and viewpoints on the topics at hand. None of the opinionated information discussed on this podcast reflect the views of Gen Z education as an organization. And now, here's Kai. Hello guys, um, it's Kai here and I'm here to talk about the main focus about the show today, which is the past election. So as we know, Biden was called our next president with Kamala Harris as our new vice this Saturday. Um, and just a little gov session to start us off. Elections became a thing due to our founding fathers, uh, which were a group of men who wanted to ensure that we would not end up like the monarchy that we were separating America from. This came to the idea of democracy and our current government, no one man being in control, and a system to make sure that everyone and everything is in check. Today's segment is going to be a little different, the majority of it uh, being me moderating the discussion between um, our two discussion get guests here today. We have Mateo, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mateo, I'm from Ecuador. How are you? <laughs> All right, um, good to meet you, Mateo. And then good to here meet you, Kai. And here we have Stephanie. Stephanie, want to give yourself a brief introduction? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Ottawa, Canada, and I'm in grade 11. Awesome. All right. So we have two very different, obvious backgrounds, um, types of people here. And we're going to be discussing four topics specifically. The Electoral College. Is, this a, is it a necessity or a system that should belong in the past? Um, thoughts about Biden himself and his policies? Is he a person that is um, running for president for our well-being? Or are some of his policies a little iffy? Uh, there's also thoughts on Kamala Harris, uh, girl, hashtag girlboss, or performative uh, activism. And then lastly, general thoughts on the election itself, how the structure went, how both sides of the, um, of the parties took it, etc. So uh, we have no real structure. This is just a discussion between mostly two people and me sometimes interjecting my thoughts and just making sure that it doesn't go very south. And to start us off, we will have, does anyone want to start us off or should I just pick? I'd, I'd love to start if Stephanie, I mean, if, unless you want to start. Oh no, go ahead. All right, so let's start off with the electoral college and uh, Mateo, take it away. Okay, so I thought it was really interesting that you kind of started this episode speaking about American history. I think that one of the big things that kind of came through in American history is not only that they put us in a system where we get to choose, we get to elect, but it was from the beginning indirect, right? Now that was a decision that is different if you see countries in Europe, for instance, they're different. They get to elect directly their presidents and their representatives, yet we don't. 
And I think that was due historically to a mistrust in the people, in the belief that perhaps the common man, the worker, the you know the 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 artisan, the merchant have don't have the knowledge of who should be in office, and therefore it's best if they delegate someone to then choose. What do you think about that, Stephanie? Do you think that was a correct call or not? Yeah. Um. I don't know. Personally, I think the Electoral College is pretty outdated and it may not be the best system. And I don't think it should be like majority vote either because that's like a bit iffy too. Like then like the less populated states wouldn't really like matter as much. But I think um, the voting system in America could definitely use some like reform to make it more um, effective and representative of the country as a whole. Now, if I can just kind of come back to that, I was just going to ask you, well, don't you think that, I mean, you said that it's kind of outdated. I'm just wondering, do you think that maybe it's outdated because people now are more conscious of politics and maybe weren't when the founding fathers chose to choose an indirect system of, ele of elections? Yeah, that could be a factor. I mean, times have changed a lot. And now there's like, you know, social media and all these other factors that have like changed politics. And I don't know, I think there's definitely a, some better way for the country to come to a conclusion of what does everyone want collectively. Well, I've, I'm kind of, I'm, I agree with you, but I think I'm more in the middle part. I think, I, I, I think that's very important to have the direct kind of choice of people but I also notice and I observe that there's a lot of people who are very misinformed on politics on both sides, if you're a Democrat or Republican. I mean, there's an enormous majority of people who are just influenced by a post that they saw on Facebook or something that their parents said to them on the dining room table, right? I mean, there's all these little factors that completely determine someone. And it's not really about, okay, how informed I am, just who are the people in my circle? And that does make me kind of I'm unsure if are we really ready to go to a direct democracy? Are we going to really put people's hands, those decisions, if they're not as informed as I wish they would be? I 100% agree. And a problem now is like, specifically with like the development of technology and social media is like political group polarization. So like, for example, like if I am a Democrat, and I only interact with that type of information on social media. That's all I'm going to see. And like, I'm going to be more and more leaning towards that side. And same with the other side. Like now there's so much information, misinformation going around. And like, even with news sources, like there's like Fox News and CNN, which are like on both ends of the spectrum. And then there's like, you don't really know what you can trust anymore as a good, reliable news source. And that's what I think causes so much like misinformation out there and why the US is so divided now. I, I completely agree. I mean, it's it maybe not answering Kai's question as much as I wish it would, but I think it, it's, I, I agree. I think there's, there's so much what you call punditry. I mean, in the sense that when you're on Fox News or CNN, there's gonna be five minutes of news right and and then someone's going to look into the camera and tell you kind of what to think and and that's a really big problem because people believe in that and they'll really look further now if i can bring it back to the question i was going to ask you stephanie on something really interesting that you said that you kind of said that maybe 
what's not best is that a president is elected by majority. Now, I understand that certainly there are smaller groups that should also have representation, but how do you think that's possible without just ignoring that a, a representation should be for the, for the larger mass? Or do you think that's not the case? Well, there's like a bunch of different factors. So majority vote seems logical if you just think of it like, oh yeah, like it's what most people want, right? Because there's different groups, marginalized groups, different communities, and there are different like numbers of people within each community. And it's really hard to determine what everyone in America wants because it's so diverse, because there's so many different groups and communities. And okay, majority vote would make campaigning to places with larger population densities much more important and people with like who live in like less populated areas it wouldn't really matter to them like mm -hmm. if that makes sense but what do you think about what's going on right now and in, in this in this kind of recent election we're really seeing and i'm not the first nor going to be the last person to say it the big kind of feeling is not really red versus blue or Republican versus Democrat, but just more about rural versus high density population, right? I mean, most of those graphics there, people were criticizing is that, okay, cities have an enormous majority of people and yet people in rural towns, that's where a lot of the Republican votes were coming from. And I agree with you. I mean, okay, so is, do you think right now this, this situation is kind of representing people fairly? Well, yeah, it's really interesting to see like how the big cities were all blue and all the counties with like much less people are red and it's really interesting to look at because the blue states really like count on the big cities like and it's really interesting how like those places those counties with much less populations are red and I don't know maybe that's just like an education thing, maybe it's like who you're surrounded by, like the demographic, but it's, yeah. Um, why don't we also just like, while you're also talking about this, maybe interject just a little bit of like your thoughts and opinions on uh, Biden and Kamala themselves and like how they took on this election and their policies as well as just things you like, dislike, whatever you feel about them. Um, I think that would be very interesting to hear both of your opinions and how they vary. Um, do you, would you like to start, Stephanie? Yeah. Or would you like okay. So personally, I am like settled for Biden. So I think that he is all right. I don't think he's the best person. He's definitely done some bad stuff in the past, but I think out of the two, out of Biden and Trump, he is the best option because he is focused on uniting America instead of dividing them. And for other reasons, such as climate change, trying to solve racial injustice, rights for women, etc. So yeah, I do think I'm happy that Biden won personally, because he is a morally better person overall than Trump. And Kamala Harris, as well. Like, I do not think she's the best person. She has definitely done some 
indecent things in the past, but I am also happy that she won because this just representation itself is so important. Like as the first female and black and Asian American vice president, like that opens the doors for so many young women and girls in the future and allowing them to feel like their race or their gender is less of a barrier. So yeah, I am happy that they won personally. I do think there's a lot of work to be done, but yeah, I believe this was the best outcome out of the situation that we had. I agree. I think, yeah, I agree with most of what you're saying. I think that, I mean, Biden, I'm very critical of, of Biden, but as you said, I think it's, it doesn't even compare to, to what I think about Trump. I think that, I mean, I, I, I do, I'm, I really question beyond politics, just what the psychology of a nation, and this comes from kind of an outside perspective, just what people have to be thinking, what kind of social situation must there be where a person like Trump gets elected into becoming a president of a nation. I mean, just, just look at his behavior in office, look at his behavior on a, on a debate. It just becomes just very illogical to me, almost, almost like people are just not being rational in that sense. So, I mean, if, if just kind of a disclaimer to say that, although I do criticize Biden, it just doesn't compare, right? It just doesn't get I to that agree. level. I totally agree. Like, yeah. I think he made the best decision out of two bad options, I guess, mm -hmm. so to speak. Like, there are definitely better options out there. It's just they didn't really have a chance in this election, and we had to choose from what we got. Yeah. I agree. I think that, I mean, absolutely. J just Biden, I think he's, he, he's, he just checks every box in what a Democrat has to be. I think that he's not pushing for any project that's not just kind of the baseline, which, you know, isn't all bad. I think that there's certainly some things that have been disrespected these kind of, these past four years that he's going to probably bring back to where they were um, four years ago, right? And I think that's going to be his main project. If, you know, in fact, for four more years of just kind of a stability, even if it's not political, just more kind of just how people interact with the United States, how people think of the United States. And I don't know how it is in Canada, but at least here in Ecuador, there's there's a giant sentiment for, for the United States. People just think it's it's just very dumb. And, and I don't yeah, blame them. I, I think, like, yeah, go ahead. In Canada, like, honestly, Biden wouldn't, would barely be considered like left wing if that makes <laughs> sense like he'd be more of a centrist he honestly doesn't really like push for those ideologies if that makes sense but it's kind of like yeah america's really different and biden and trump are also very different so and that's, that's, the, that's the funny go, go ahead interrupt sorry. sorry sorry but it's just like really interesting to see that you know you guys are from two different countries and like your opinions on this and because like i know a lot of americans aren't super well uh, well versed in like other countries politics because a lot of us are very concerned about our own as it is so do you feel that like since America has made such big news a lot of the times just like about what's going on that you feel super like invested in it? Is it more of like a watching a reality show? Is it more of just like, uh, oh, look, something's happening like there? Well, a lot of people would like to say the contrary, but it's still true and it has been true for the last six decades that 
the United States has taken and probably will take for a little while center stage, right, politically. And, and they will, and it's maybe because, yes, it is, they promote themselves. They're one of the very few countries on earth that exports their culture. Um, they also have a lot of things that depend on them. If you just see Ecuadorian culture, a lot of it just look, looks towards the United States. Again, people will not like to admit it, but it is the case, certainly, that it will continue to be like that too. And yeah, as a Canadian, like American politics are especially important because we're neighboring countries, because we are so close together. And also America is just, they just have so much power over the world, socially and eco economically. And a lot of like the world kind of revolves around them most of the time. Like they have just a lot of power in general. And yeah, I think American politics have always been kind of an interest to not just me, but like people around the world. I wouldn't say it goes that far for, for people maybe in South America. I know it's not as much as the investment in American history more than the current politics. What's interesting may, yeah, just, may not be the main central idea, but even, even our politicians are very, very conscious of that. I mean, just we've had a very strong presence of a president called Correa. And his, one of his big kind of... That's really interesting because, like, as a Canadian, like, I don't really hear about other countries that often. Like, yeah, like the United States, and I'll often hear about places like Asia and the Middle East. But overall, like, I don't know that much about politics all around the world. I mean, yeah, it depends. I think it depends on a lot of things. There's certainly... Trust me, I don't think you're you're going to be glued. Anybody's going to be glued to a screen anytime soon for the Ecuadorian elections. But and and but there's a reason to that. That's what we've been saying. Do you have like any specific thoughts of just how this election went down? Was it like very chaotic, or was it like mesmerizing to see? What were your like thoughts while you were going through this? You know, living through history essentially. Well, personally, like there was a lot of anxiety and in, involved, like. I'm not even American, but I was like checking the election results every like five minutes. And I can imagine that that those emotions are a bit more intense for people actually living in it. But I think there was a lot of like anticipation, even with the debates leading up to it. It was such a huge election and it had the biggest voter turnout like in a long time in history. So yeah i think there was a lot of worry a little bit of like excitement to see what was coming but also there were threats you know like between the parties and civil unrest and even now after the election like the political parties are still like very divided and unwilling to accept results and you know it's just really interesting because i've never seen an election this intense before like I, I feel like there's a lot riding on this it was yeah it was it was certainly very interesting to see I think it revealed a lot of the current state of the United States in many ways I think that I mean you, you were speaking when we just started talking about all this stuff about like the political polarization right how important that's been I think just this election has kind of been just showing the world, putting us on that stage, putting the United States on that stage and showing the world just what people are, what is going on in the country, right? And how, how I think 
problematic it is. And I was speaking about my fear for people who go and elect for, for President Trump as a human being, right? Not even as the carrier of the Republican name, but as a human being. I mean, we just, just think about the election as going watching, everybody watching the, the um, debate how how just sad that was i heard some words like entertaining go around but it was just very sad and then i think it's it's just in that sense it was kind of chaotic in the way of just showing that politics can go so wrong if people allow it to and and i hope that this is somehow a wake-up call for people to kind of see that that they need to keep a check on it and just kind of understand who they're electing for. And, and, and I hope that next year when we're here sitting on this table speaking about how chaotic or not chaotic the elections were, we'll have a more positive answer. Yeah, and I think this election was not only for like who is going to be the president, it was for democracy because I feel that um, Donald Trump really was pushing the boundaries of democracy with the things he was saying and doing like if you think about it we're all so like happy to have a democracy and so grateful for it but we forget often how fragile it is and how it can be broken down and i think biden is less of a danger to democracy than trump personally in my opinion yeah democracy is difficult in many ways. I think that you said it so clearly, there's a lot of flaws in it. Just, okay, so is the majority really sh what should be electing? Is the, What about the representation of smaller groups of people inside a country? That's a limit to it. I think that absolutely Trump, one of the most frightening things that he did was that he threatened to not concede peacefully, obviously not in those words exactly, but he, he did say in, in many ways that he was not going to concede the the presidency voluntarily, which is one of the pillars of democracy, right? Without that, you can't have something stable. But I will end it maybe in, in opening up a question to you about something that I researched and that I read while, while kind of coming to this discussion about Hong Kong and how, although we, and clearly you and I both, we both associate Trump with this kind of new feeling of anti democracy and losing so much touch with these basic fundamental principles of it. They, in Hong Kong, there was a lot of people who were actually rooting for Trump, although they are pillars and really pushing for democracy. And that was because he is one of the most, he really, in, in his term, he really fought against China. He put some sanctions on them. He was very vocal about that. And they see him as a, maybe as a barrier between China and them. So it's just for, and that's why I just thought I was really curious because their democracy is, is at a different stake than the one here in the United States, well, they're in the United States, right? So, well, I don't know too much about Hong Kong, but my cousin lives there. And I just know that there were a lot of protests and like be between like government officials and the population. So could you tell me a bit more about that? Sure, no, of course. I mean, what's happening, I'm sure you've read, but just China's trying to take back the territory of Hong Kong that was kind of separated from that and taken by the English for a very long time. And the problem is that China is very, very anti-democratic and they do not give any freedom of speech. And what's really worrying is for people in Hong Kong who, you know, have just, you know, enjoyed 
every type of right that most people in many countries of the Western world have, like speaking and freely and not having to have censored media. And now they're kind of getting cut down on. And of course, that's very threatening to them. That's imagine having every most of your rights removed from one day to the other. So of course, there's these ginormous protests. I'm sure that you're that your, your family member is very worried about that. And that's why, I mean, they're really trying to fight up against China and having President Trump and sometimes speak against China has, has been seen very positively by them. That's actually very interesting because, yeah, I've never really thought about how different countries and different groups of people around the world would react to President Trump and all his different um ideologies and thoughts that he has on different places around the world but that actually that makes sense why hong kong would actually support trump yeah because of his relation with china but yeah i think the thing with democracy is that like hong kong is trying to like take themselves back from china and Trump and China are kind of not the best relationship, but Trump is also not the best person for democracy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. <laughs> exactly, that's my point exactly. And that's why it's this really weird situation where we're, okay, if here in the United States or there in the United States, people feel that Biden is coming back and he's bringing back democracy while people in Hong Kong fear that him kind of pulling back the offensive from China is going to be very harmful to their democracy. So nothing's yeah, so an even playing field, nothing's even balanced. Are the people in Hong Kong like divided on this issue or have they, do they have like an overall feeling on this? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll probably answer your question. I should do a little bit more research. I don't want to speak for, for Hong Kong, but I've, I've, yeah. what I understand is that there is this push towards Trump, which for me was just, as I'm sure as I'm seeing your expression, I'm seeing you kind of thinking about this, it was very surprising, but it makes logical sense. And it makes these kind of situations of, oh, well, one person winning means this for the United States, but doesn't mean it for the rest of the world. And we have to think about those implications when voting and when just kind of going about our ballots and our democracies. Yeah. All right. Um, What we're going to do is we're just going to like start talking a little bit more about like what you guys feel um, how America itself is going to be affected now that we have this new presidency um, of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, Do you feel it's like going to be a good thing, a bad thing? Just your thoughts on it. Fantastic. Do you want to speak to Stephanie? Sure. Okay. So what I think is that America finally has hope. If you look at um, the celebrations in New York and LA and in all the big cities, they're finally like joyful and they have hope for their future and they're hopeful that their rights will be protected. And I think, I hope that America can be able to come together and unite under Biden's presidency. As he says, like there, to me, there's only the United United States, States. not blue states or red states. So yeah, I think finally America has a chance to change and progress and move towards success and not like backwards. So overall, I think this change in power will be a good thing for the United States. I'm happy. And although there's a a lot of political divide right now, I'm hoping they can 
learn to respect each other and move forward together as a country. Mm. It's a nice thought. I, I, I think it's to kind of just domestically with the United States, hopefully they can unite, if that's a question. But one, one thing's for certain, I think that this moment in history, this moment of kind of observing this election particularly has served for better, for worse, to reveal to not only the world, but to the United States themselves, um, what's going on. And I think that's very clear. I think people, there's, there's a big push towards voting. I mean, you just said in the first line when we just started speaking, Stephanie, of how this was the most elected, like the most votes ever cast for an election. And that for me, that's very positive. Now I, I'm uncertain. I'm not always the most, you know, reliable or um, I'm not always really very happy with making predictions because they're often never really correct. But I'll just say that, that the one sentiment that I'm observing now is that people are kind of realizing and noticing that their voice has an impact and that hopefully we won't have to deal with Trump's or even Biden's of the world anymore. And we'll have to kind of go towards politicians and political speakers and heads that are good and smart and of good heart and of good character and have good projects more than, you know, are, are democratic or all right, so um, we should start wrapping it up. I just want to thank uh, once again for Mateo and Stephanie for being here. Um, you are listening to Gen Z Speaks, our podcast that branches off of the organization Gen Z Education. At Gen Z Education, remains nonpartisan in all views. And these were just the thoughts and ideas of Mateo and Stephanie themselves. We did not script this in any way. And that's how we should like to run this show. So once again, I'm Kai Singh, and I'm so glad that you tuned in. We just heard an insightful discussion about the outcomes of the United States election. Now we have Alyssa with a mental health segment. Hi everyone, it's Alyssa and I just wanted to take a little break to talk about how you guys are doing. These times can be very stressful with the election, school, COVID, and work. And it's important to realize when you need to take a step back and care for yourself. You can do a face mask, talk to a friend, meditate, read a book, or watch your favorite movie. Whatever makes you feel better. Make sure to drink some water, try to eat a healthy meal, and get some sleep. Recently, I've been listening to the Hadestown soundtrack, watching the movie Over the Moon, and started reading Nevernight to do with my own stress. There are so many resources out there that can help you with whatever you need. For example, if you are a part of the LGBTQIA community under the age of 25 and just need someone to talk to, the Trevor Project is a great place where you can text or call friends and allies. If you're not comfortable with that, you can always reach out to a friend or family member. Remember that no matter what happens, we can get through this together. That's it for this episode of Gen Z Speaks. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Visit genzeducation.org to discover everything Gen Z Education has to offer and head to the podcast page to submit your questions for our next guest. If you would like to be a future guest or would like to nominate someone, submit the interest form on our website.